0: What's the difference between a problem and an issue? Is it a nuisance or is it just a situation? Problem, issue, nuance, situation. When would you know which to label what with? And so for some people, everything's a major problem. And what we discover with them is problems equal major sources of pain. Hey, it's Jason Fladland here. You're listening to The Jason Fladland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. The benefit of having cognitive flexibility is it allows for higher resiliency. It cultivates more creativity. It allows you to course correct quicker. Let's talk about how to improve your cognitive flexibility. Learn how to ask different questions. Increase cognitive flexibility. My favorite question is how do you know when or how do you know that? And I ask this all the time. How do you know when to get scared? So somebody says, I'm afraid to speak in front of an audience. How do you know when you're supposed to be afraid? They say, what, huh? First of all, it interrupts an automated process. They don't think that it's something they're consciously aware of. So we presume that they are. How do you know when to get scared? And then I'll even poke and prod. Like I said to a client of mine once, I said, how do you know when it actually goes into a public speaking opportunity? Say you were sitting at a large table for dinner. How many chairs would need to be pulled up? (laughs) How many people would have to show up at the dinner before it would no longer be a private dinner, but it would be a public presentation? And you start to help them run it through. I had another client once where he said he struggled to stay productive after work hours. And I asked him, how would you know when you are productive after work hours? And he did not have the answer, as most people don't do in these situations. And then I said, how much longer past closing time or clocking out time would you have to work for you to consider yourself productive? And what we discovered was it was one minute. I'm not kidding you. It's crazy how this thing works. But if he could get past four o'clock to 401, everything changed for him. And so we framed it as you just have to work one more minute. And if he could work one more minute, then he could choose to work. It wasn't forced upon him anymore like he felt it was before. There was no more pressure. And then he could decide to work however long he wanted to work because everything was a net positive after that. So how do you know when dot dot dot? That's such a powerful question. What's the problem I'll have after I solve this problem is another question I ask very often. So let's pretend the problem's already solved. What's the next problem you have to solve after this? So this is looking at a problem backwards as opposed to forwards, another way to get cognitive flexibility. Uh, Here's another piece of advice for you, another tactic. One of my favorites, expanding your vocabulary. Words are poor labels. They never really explain the thing. They're approximations, they're proxies. And most of us don't have many words (laughs) that we can pull off the shelf and label things with. So all words are highly limited. Most words are woefully ineffective for describing the thing. And when we only have a few of those words that we can choose from to describe a thing, this is where we get stuck. We're not as able to accurately assess the situation because we use just the same three or four words essentially on everything. So is it a problem or is it an issue? What's the difference between a problem and an issue? Is it a nuisance or is it just a situation? Problem, issue, nuance, situation. When would you know which to label what with? And so for some people, everything's a major problem. And what we discover with them is problems equal major sources of pain. And if we can help them grade it so they have five or six or seven different ways in which they can describe a challenge, and various different levels of difficulty. Soon they realize they're dealing with more nuances, which are not so difficult. And they're not actually dealing with as many problems as they think they are. But when everything's a problem, and that's only you can label everything as a problem, then everything starts to feel like it's insurmountable. And on the flip side, how many different ways can you describe happiness? What's the difference between joy and jubilation to you? Have you ever said and thought about that, right? Ecstasy all of these different words, I would love for you to have 50 words which you could describe happiness. I bet you you'd have a hard time doing it right now. I bet you you would have to get a dictionary and a thesaurus and spend a quiet afternoon to figure that out. But imagine if at any given time you had 50 ways to positively and happily describe a situation. How much more enriching could your life be? Having different names for different situations, so much flavor there. Another thing that can help you with cognitive flexibility is learning how to think on spectrums. So I typically like to have seven different ways to evaluate something from extremely unlikely negatively to extremely unlikely positive. So there's like the extremes, there's the unlikelies, so there's the most unlikelies, there's the probably unlikelies, there's a somewhat unlikelies and there's the maybe likelies, whatever the case may be on the positive and negative, right? So this thing is going to completely fall apart in this disastrous way, or this thing is going to succeed beyond its wildest dreams. Highly unlikely that those scenarios will happen, but I'm aware of them. And then here's what's unlikely to happen, what would be nice, here's unlikely to happen and wouldn't be nice to look and analyze something and say, here's seven outcomes, five of these are unlikely, here's the two most common outcomes. And the two most common outcomes, usually in a short scale of time, are non-remarkable nobody cares. That's usually the analysis. It's a start. It's movement. And that allows me to move much easier than putting so much pressure because we are prejudiced towards focusing on the extremes, which are so unlikely to happen. And it's so silly that they preoccupy most of our thought when they are such rare occurrences. Now, the last thing that you can do that I'll leave you with either change the environment or change how you relate to it. So from a production standpoint, if you want to create content, All of you have a default in which you are in your element better than any other form. So some of you are gonna be better at writing it, some of you are gonna be better at speaking it, some of you are gonna be better at showing it visually, maybe with slides or on a camera like this. So figure out the one that you're most at ease with first. Or if you are stuck anyway, say what's the easiest way I can get this done? What do I default to? What is natural to me? And I don't care if it's not the most effective one based on the current landscape of the digital environment, It's the one that can get done. And done is better than better. It's amazing to me how much more I enjoyed yoga when I was sweating from every pore. So hot yoga to me was, even though it was more difficult, I preferred it over regular vinyas flow yoga. And it's crazy how you can slightly alter an environment, completely change your orientation with that environment. Another one I learned from a programmer early on is he found he was most optimal at coding is if he took a fully charged laptop out in the morning, went to a place where he could get coffee and worked until the laptop died. So he was on the clock and he found that was the most effective way for him to code. So he better get it done before the laptop died because that day once the laptop died, his day was over with. It was done He went home and plugged it in and did the same thing the next day. So he had to get out of his normal environment and he had to put himself in a position where there was a forced deadline on him. And those are just some of the many ways in which you can foster cognitive flexibility, which will allow you more creativity and resiliency. Now, remember that the opposite of cognitive flexibility is cognitive rigidity. That's where you're stuck. That's where you start to worry excessively. You ruminate, you lose hope. You only see things from a narrow viewpoint and there's so few options there, and then you don't even think they're really options. So we want cognitive flexibility. It's such a great gift in our life, and it's something we can help others with as well. Cognitive flexibility, though, is like a muscle, my friend. You first have to work it out and build it up before you truly see its fruits. Tell me which one you felt resonated most with you when it came to being cognitively flexible. I appreciate you, and I'll see you in the next video. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review and thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.